Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Plan, where we discuss the power of planning to meet the challenges of life's rites of financial passage. We're starting our second season today uh, with an episode on marriage and talk about a rite of passage. I think everybody would agree that that's a pretty big one. With me to discuss this is Jonathan Stoner, who's a, an advisor here at Charles Stephen, the sponsor of this podcast. Hey, Jonathan, it's great to have you back. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Um, so, you know, when we talk about marriage, usually, or the financial implications of marriage, usually divorce comes to mind because this is when the whole edifice just gets knocked down and property gets divided. And uh, But there is a lot to be said for what to talk about before we get married and the financial implications of that. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I think uh, close to 25% of people who get divorced cite finances as one of the main reasons. Really? Okay. And oftentimes it has to do with the fact they didn't have the conversation before they got married. And it's not just a one-and-done conversation. I think when you're talking about your finances with your partner or your spouse, it's an ongoing process. Um, so I think being honest, open, transparent before you take that leap into marriage, because let's face it, people get married for a lot of, of the right reasons. Sometimes they get married for the wrong reasons. You know, most people talk about marriage and romance as kind of an emotional thing, but it it is also a very big business decision as well. Historically, so, I mean, going back millennia, I mean, a lot of times it was more about uh, uniting two families, that's right? right? So it was a business arrangement. Yeah. And But some of that still lingers, right? Because whether we like it or not, we do enter into a business arrangement when we get married. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that entails when you get married, like what you're signing on to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost, it uh, because you and your spouse may have diff- completely different money beliefs. You may have different priorities. You may have different definitions of what frugal versus frivolous means, right? Um, so I think kind of sitting down and, and talking about those things, coming up with a plan, also being transparent with your partner. Um, we just had a client that we were working with recently. They He thought he had $65,000 in student loans. It turns out he had $165,000. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, that's a big jump. <laughs> yeah. Right? That start, starts that conversation off kind of on a rocky road. So I think by um, recognizing what you're in store for, whether that be credit card debt, student loans, whether um, one of the partners or spouses is trying to operate a business Um, Are you both working? What are your spending habits? Because when you get married, a lot of those things are going to change. So I think you have to revisit um, those individual goals and habits and plans, um, whether you decide to combine your finances or keep them separate. Oftentimes you'll have um, folks when they get married, they'll have at least one bank account as an operating account, right? They may keep some of their other investment accounts or other accounts separate, or they may decide they want to combine everything. That means credit cards, investment accounts, bank accounts, everything. So there is no one size fits all. There are a lot of different ways you can skin a cat here, and there's no right or wrong answer. I think it always comes back down to the conversation. Um, And let's face it, uh, money right now is kind of considered a taboo conversation to bring up in polite company. So it's very difficult for folks to have these conversations. I think that's the biggest step. Sitting down, 
not surprising your spouse or partner with that, but setting a time, a dedicated time where you can sit down uh, and really talk through it, be open and transparent. Let's get back to, step back a second to the debt part, because Mm -hmm. um, you talked about one of the spouses that had student loans. They're bringing that to the marriage just as they would bring their clothes or their car or their dog, right? right? And it's like, well, okay, now it's yours too. I mean, legally, we are obligated to those debts, uh, even the ones that we didn't even incur. That's right. Okay. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. So it is different state by state. Um, For for instance, in California, um, when you get married at what you had before then was yours. And then when you get married going forward now, um, what you get together, whether that be wedding gifts or earned income, is now a combined asset. So it kind of differs from state by state, believe that or not. And then mm-hmm. you've got um, some states that have um, different laws around that, yeah. right, how that all plays out. But I, I think you made a good point. Yeah, you're, you're not only – now maybe have a joint income. How do you file at the end of the year? Do you continue to file individually? Do you file file joint? You're talking but, about income taxes. Yep, correct. Um, and what makes sense? You know, depending on your income levels, whether both spouses are working, you may be in a position where you credit or you um, are going to get credited for kind of a uh, um, a uh, well, you could be potentially penalized, but you could also get uh, a credit. You know, on the, on the yeah. joint taxes, but you're right. Not only does that come over, but so does the debt as well. Um, and talking about that in terms of how you want to reduce it, what plans you have for that, um, and then oftentimes when people get married, they have a family in mind. Yeah, what does that look like? Well, also, what does it look like if you've already got a family? So, with second marriages, I mean, sure. does it is it incumbent on someone to say, would you please let me know what the arrangements are for child support? I mean, and a lot of times I'm sure people will go, look, that's none of your business. That's That doesn't involve you, but it actually does. It does. Yeah. So, and those conversations can be pretty difficult, right? Yeah. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's personal. That is a prior relationship. It's not always fun to talk about those when you're in the uh, process of entering into a new uh, relationship or union like marriage. Right. Um, but I think, again, being able to get that out all on the table and be able to talk about it and what the plan is going forward, um, it, it, often not, that's going to be the best policy. And speaking of business, what if you, what if one of the partners owns a business? Mm-hmm. I know in New Mexico, New Mexico is a community property state, right? Correct. So whether you like it or not, your spouse is now going to be an investor or a part owner of any business that you're a part owner of. Is that right? Sure. Yep. Yeah. And that comes with a whole different set of uh, conversations around that. Yeah. Right? So um, I'm reminded of the uh, the scene in The Godfather when Michael Corleone uh, tells Kate, you know, I'll let you ask one question about my business and don't ever ask me another one. And that's just not what real life is about, is it? Yeah, um, that kind of reminds me of another great movie, um, Goodfellas. Yeah. You know, where he's in construction. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and that's all she needs to know. Yeah. Um, but I think for a successful and healthy relationship and marriage, you got to do a deep, deep dive. And really, I think it also comes back down to strengths and weaknesses. 
right? And dedicated roles. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit. I I know you told me that you're fortunate in that your fiance, she's actually a financial professional as well. Yeah, she works for one of the biggest healthcare plans in the state, and she's a statutory accounting auditor. So she (laughs) looks at very, very fine spreadsheets every single day. I don't know how she does that. Um, You know, that I'd probably want to bang my head into the wall if I had to do that. She's very, very good at it. She's written software regarding it and Uh is is just excellent at that. So can you tell us a little bit about how you guys, um, or the two of you, um, have this division of labor, if you will, I mean, about who minds what in your financial lives together? Yeah. So I think it does go back to um, kind of dedicated roles. What are you good at? What do you want to do? Um, you know, she's very good at the line by line spreadsheets, budgeting, um, some of those items, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so in, in that sense, maybe I'm the chief financial officer and person that handles the investments and the planning, but from the budgetary standpoint and some of those other items, right, um, you know, she's very good at that. Yeah. So I think having, knowing what you're good at and, and um, knowing who may be in charge of what, whether that's setting up accounts, yeah. whether that is minding the credit card balances to make sure you're not carrying one forward or you're paying off a balance. Yeah. Um, I think everybody kind of has those, those uh, skill sets and strengths and, and that's all about being a good team. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a, a client or maybe, maybe just a friend who was not working and they wanted to become better informed about their spouse who is working and let's face it, has more economic power in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I don't expect you to talk in terms of like a marriage counselor, but what would you say to them in terms of what's the right way to approach this? If you feel like, man, I, I just don't want to step on his or her toes. Um, but I, I really want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think there's all sorts of ways you can kind of broach it, but I think probably the the best way would be just to ask ask questions. You mm-hmm. know, tell me about your job. Tell me about your business. Um, how's it going? What is it like to do what you do? Really start the conversation there at that level. Um, but I think it's also important to um, have regular meetings. You know, and th- these aren't meetings where one or, or more people are hungry or they're on their way out the door. It's a set time where you sit down and you actually talk about that. Um, and again, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I think it's huge in any great relationship because you're building that trust. You're understanding more about what your partner or spouse is doing mm-hmm. and how that affects everything. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking that it's, it, you know, ultimately you may or a partner who does feel like they're not as, economically empowered or financially empowered in the relationship, they are still legally on the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if it were me, I would have to at some point play that card and go, look, you may think that uh, this isn't any of my business, but it will be my business if things go south. Absolutely. If, if you have a tax audit, if you get sued, uh, any number of things, or if, or if the business just falls apart. Uh, maybe your customer base goes, you know, goes south. Um, yeah, just because one 
um, spouse is working and one's not, maybe a dad, the dad or mother staying at home with the kids. That's a very hard time job. We've got a little two and a half year old at home and he's a pistol and he's in daycare for part of the day. But um, when he's not, that is a full time job. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think it I think it goes back to your point. Um, when you are married, you're now a unit. So start thinking about it in terms of that. And part of that is just having that open line of communication. And money conversations are never easy, especially the first one. That's going to be the hardest. But the yeah. good thing about it is the more you have them, the easier it's going to get. Yeah. Well, it's a little like, um, I don't know, it, it. people don't like to talk about their sex lives either. Yeah. Um, and yet it's one of those things that it it just runs through the relationship whether you like it or not that's right right yeah um but i think you're right if you if 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 couples can take the fear out of the the conversation it does leach a lot of power away from it and it becomes it can be a, a little more like let's talk about the house mm-hmm. or let's talk about how we fix the car you know th- those things are not threatening conversations sure uh, but you're right i mean it's it's money for some reason that uh well it it really comes down to people's uh status in society and and a lot of times their status in their family yeah uh how much money they have how much money they control uh but regardless i mean anybody who's listening uh you know, you you may think that this is something that's better left unsaid. Well, you know, hopefully everything is smooth sailing because if it doesn't, you'll end up dealing with it sooner or later. Well, and at some point, I feel like even even if you don't want to have the conversation about money, we're talking about money every single day. Yeah. Whether it's sending Junior to college or whether it's going on that nice honeymoon after mm-hmm. our marriage. How much is that going to cost, especially in today's environment? Yeah. Um, or whether yeah, we talk about the price of everything being up right now with inflation. Yeah. Um, so we're having a lot of these conversations inadvertently and indirectly, whether we know it or not, um, to really get down to the brass tacks and set a meeting with your spouse, right? Yeah. And come up with plans and how to, in terms of how to manage that. Um, it can be difficult, but I think... Um, folks are going to be in a much, much better position if they really take the time to do that. Uh, because everything we do costs more today right. than it did yesterday. Right. Um, Everything's like, going to be kind of a negotiation. Uh, right. you know, it, and I also like to use the word compromise. Yeah. You know, when you're when you've got your individual bachelor pad budget, right, that looks a lot different than. Um, when you're married and now you're setting goals together. Right. Right. So a lot of things change there. As a financial planner, tell us um, some of the ways in which you do service clients. For, for instance, I know that there are some people who uh, will have different advisors in the same firm or mm-hmm. they, I mean, tell us a little bit about the vari- variations on that. Yeah, good question. So, you know, I've been doing this for enough near enough years to see it kind of from every angle, um, from soup to nuts, so to speak. So uh, we have clients that have all of their finances uh, commingled and combined, right? They come as a couple and we go through everything together. It's part of their overall financial plan, okay? And these are couples that could be married for uh, two months or 20 years. And now we have some that have 
everything completely divided for whatever reason. Um, some of those individuals actually like to meet on a separate basis because that works for them. Um, we have, we've had couples or, or married couples in the past that um, may not even live in the same residence, but are able to make that work. Hmm. So again, there is no one size fits all. Um, it really kind of comes back to having a game plan, um, setting those goals and being able to make it work. And, and also, I guess for one, for, for maybe the person initiating this and maybe the one that's um, coming up against resistance, you've got to end up doing what's good for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what makes you comfortable, what you, makes you feel safe? And if that is not having everything commingled or if that means having a separate email address uh, from your, your – I mean, sometimes people have the same advisor, but they have two separate email addresses, yeah. right? It's all about how you deal with email. Yep. Yeah, and um, I think there are ways to, you know – there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, I, I probably, for the most part, have seen the most common um, setup is that let's say that you do kind of not have a house divided, but the assets are divided. Yeah. Right. Um, they're separate, I guess I should say. They still will have at least one operating account that they have shared expenses coming out of. And maybe that's a good baby step in to if it makes sense to combine some of those other accounts. Yeah. Um, but again, there is no right or wrong way to do it. Um, you know, we've, we've seen, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I was just thinking on that note, uh, you know, we have, we talked about values in terms of how you spend money. Mm-hmm. There's also different risk tolerances for different people, right? Not only that, but there's different backgrounds. There's different um, familial values. You may have one part of the relationship that inherited a very large chunk of money. They have something specific they want to do that with, yeah. right? And they keep that separate. Um, you have you may have one partner that has a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget, and the other one is extremely frugal. Yeah. You know, so um, there's all shapes and sizes here. Yeah, I I know that uh, in in my case. Uh, my siblings and I were tenants in common in mm-hmm. a piece of property. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're trying, thinking about commingling finances, maybe that's one of those things where you, you do keep that separate, you know, because, you know, it, it's hard enough being in, in, quote, business with a spouse. But when you have to bring in all the relatives, that can be. Well, sure. And, and nowadays you see second, third, fourth marriages, and you've got multi-families on both sides. Yeah. So if you've got a husband um, that's remarried and has three kids, right, yeah. on his side, and and a wife that has a similar situation, there are plenty of reasons um, why it, it it does make sense financially to keep yeah. that separate. Um, or if there's land involved or businesses tied to the family involved. Um, you get into kind of more complex, complex financial situations. But like I said, we've seen it all. And as advisors, that's part of what we help folks navigate through when we come up with that financial plan. When we talk about the investments, when we talk about risk tolerance, like you said, some of the most interesting conversations I've had with a client is client A over here is very aggressive. Yeah. Right. They want to be very aggressive with their investments. They know the risk. They're fine with that. Okay? Yeah. Client B 
Sorry about that. <laughs> I right. keep tapping the table, guys. Sorry about that. You know, you feel uh, passionate about what you're talking I about. Know, so that's I know. good. I'm keep my hands off the table. <laughs> um, but, you know, one is aggressive and one is super conservative. Yeah. How, right. do you, how do you kind of meet in the middle and how do you come up with a plan that satisfies both of those goals and objectives and, and risk tolerance for risk? And, and, you, and we have a lot of clients that there's a big age gap. Um, that's true. A great yeah. couple that we work with and work with for very long. And there's about a 25 year gap there. So he's going to be retiring before she is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to continue to work. But how do you navigate that? And how do you come up with a plan that um, checks all those boxes? Yeah. You know, you, you, when we were talking about this uh, pre, before we started recording, um, you had said that you read something about how speaking to that age gap, how if one person starts to collect Social Security and the other person is not, is – tell me a little bit more about that, could you? Yeah. And, and again, this is – I think this could be a separate podcast yeah. all in itself. We might do it. Different um, ins and outs of Social Security. But yeah. let's say, for example, that um, you have a primary uh, breadwinner, whether that be the husband or the wife, and over the last 20 years, they've – They've made a good amount of dough. Yeah. And then their partner or spouse at home hasn't been able to work that same 20-year period of time and earn the same income. Right. Um, There's a good chance that if they're married for more than 10 years, right, uh, that spouse can get half of the eligible Social Security that the other spouse takes at 62. Okay. Um, Even after a divorce, after 10 years of marriage, if that person wasn't able to work, had to stay at home with the kids, maybe had some type of illness or was injured. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if her or his social security at that point would have been less than half of the other spouse, they have the potential to take that yeah. at retirement age or at 62. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So again, there's a lot of little one-offs we can go through yeah. there. And, and there are a lot of certain, certainly pros from a financial economic standpoint to marriage, but there are also some cons too. Yeah. Um, so, well, um, June, the big month of weddings is right around the corner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you haven't had the conversation, maybe you should have it. Uh, not that it's a make or break deal, but it might be a really important thing just to get on the get on the table. I I couldn't um, agree or recommend that folks do that more. Um, you know, a few weeks before the wedding or even before that, call a little financial summit. Yeah, sit down, get those cards out on the table. Yeah, um, it's going to make things a lot easier if you do it uh, before. Right. Then I think a lot of people don't have the conversation. What happens? It keeps keeps getting pushed to the back burner. And oftentimes that's what we see uh, a lot in our industry. Well, it's planning for retirement, whether it's investments in general, if it's not right in front of you all the time. Sometimes it's easier to just kick that can down the road and you don't want to wait too long to do that. Um, because you want to be able to deal with some of the surprises. You want to have a plan of attack to deal with those early on. Well, going back to your metaphor of putting it on the back burner, there's probably a low flame under it anyway, yeah. even if it's on the back burner. It's always so it's, constantly on simmer in the back of our mind, whether yeah. we want to admit it or not. Right. You know, it's kind of what keeps you up at 2 a.m. Yeah. conversation. And oftentimes it's the things that we don't get out there and put on the table and talk about um, that, you know, are – 
stirring around the back of our mind. So if we can get that out, have a plan to deal with it. Marriage is about compromise, but it's also about teamwork. And man, I can't think of a better way to uh, to kick off a good marriage and keep a good marriage than keeping that line of communication wide open, knowing what you're good at, and tackling those problems head on. Well, it's good advice, and uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, you're going to be back here next week when we're going to be doing a an advisor roundtable with the other advisors here at Charles Stevens. So that'll be a good one for everybody to to listen to because we're going to be talking about. Uh, you know, what's been going on in the news and what clients have been, been concerned about and uh, getting a lot of input there. So, again, thanks again to you, Jonathan. Thanks to everybody who's listening, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Mark. This has been a presentation of Charles Stephen. Securities offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, SPF, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through the Ameriflex Group. SPF is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of SPF. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the presenter and may not come to pass. This information is subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions and should not be construed as a recommendation of any specific security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Please coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation.